This is the Adventist World Radio, and you are listening to the Voice of Hope. For more information, please feel free to write to us. Our email address is Bible at awr dot org, or you could also call us on WhatsApp at plus one two two four two 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 zero seven seven seven. Hello and welcome to WaveScan, the international DX program from Adventist World Radio, researched and written in Indianapolis by Dr. Adrian Peterson, and produced in the studios of WRMI Shortwave in Okeechobee, Florida. I'm Jeff White. This is edition NWS 766 for release on Sunday, October 29th, 2023. On the program today, radio broadcasting in Singapore. Part 2. Two departed shortwave personalities and a special QSL offer from Adventist World Radio. Two weeks ago here in WaveScan, we started a three-part series on the history of radio broadcasting in and from the island city-state of Singapore. Here now with more of the story from World War II onwards is Ray Robinson with part two of this series. Thanks, Jeff. When the Japanese invaded Singapore in 1942, medium wave and shortwave broadcasting was all centered on the relatively new facility at Caldicott Hill, which had been commissioned in 1937. But the brand new and much larger facility at Jurong had never been activated due to the lack of a suitable transmitter. The shortwave and medium-wave station on Caldicott Hill made its last broadcast under the British Colonial Administration in late February 1942, and the Japanese administration reopened the station again a few weeks later on March 27th. Only one channel was in use at this stage, 9705 kHz, which was previously on the air under the call sign ZHP1. However, quick usage of the empty facility at Jurong was implemented with the installation of a shortwave transmitter from the island of Penang. This comparatively new unit, probably a 7 kilowatt Marconi unit from England, though it's sometimes shown as 10 kilowatts, had been installed in Penang by the British administration a few months earlier under the call sign ZHJ. In Singapore, this unit was inaugurated in August 1942 on the single channel 12,000 kHz. Programming for Shonan Radio, Light of the South, in English and several Asian languages, was usually produced in the Singapore studios on Caldicott Hill, although as noted in Australia, there were occasional relays from Radio Tokyo in Japan. On other occasions, there were also relays to and from Radio Saigon in Vietnam and with the Philippine stations PIRN and PIRM in Manila. Shonan Radio was last heard in the United States on February 3, 1945, and there are no known QSLs from Shonan Radio. Soon after the Japanese exit from Singapore, the radio facilities there were reactivated, initially under the Americans as SEAC Radio, though shortly afterwards the station was taken over by the British as BMA Radio. 
In March 1945, the Newark News Radio Club in the United States reported the monitoring of signals from Singapore on 15450 kHz, no doubt coming from the previously transferred 10 kW transmitter located at Jurong. The programming was beamed to the Philippines. The reactivated medium-wave transmitter ZHL was first noted in Australia a few months later in mid-September on 840 kHz. As time went by, additional medium-wave and short-wave transmitters were activated at Jurong, a new studio facility was constructed at Caldicott Hill, and the radio networks were divided into colours, blue for English and Malay, red for Chinese and Indian, green for Chinese, and there may even have been a yellow network at one stage as well. Over the intervening years, a total of 11 different shortwave transmitters were installed at Jurong, rated at 10 and 50 kilowatts. It's 9 p.m. I'm Jane Alwis, and news in Greece from Radio Singapore is national. SCP's new shortwave radio service started broadcasting at Singapore this morning. Radio Singapore International, or RSI, covers an area spreading east and west Malaysia, Indonesia, and Brunei. News, entertainment, and current affairs programs are broadcast for nine hours a day in English, Mandarin, and Malay. The inaugural program featured an interview with the Minister for Information and the Arts, Brigadier General George Hill. However, when the housing estates began to encroach into the Jurong area, the old shortwave base was closed and a modern new facility was constructed at Kranji, quite close to the BBC Far Eastern Relay Station, which we'll talk about in Part 3. The Singapore shortwave station, operated by Singtel near Kranji, contains six 250-kilowatt shortwave transmitters and one at 100 kilowatts. The medium-wave transmitters at Jurong were subsequently closed and a new transmission centre was installed at the centre of the island. Here's a medium-wave close-down recorded from 792 kHz in 1982. This is the Singapore Broadcasting Corporation Radio 1. We are closing our transmission for today. We begin transmission again at 6am and you can hear our programme in English on 630 kHz on the medium-wave band, 5052 kHz on the 60-metre shortwave band, 11940 kHz on the 25-meter shortwave band, and 90.5 MHz on the BHF band 2. In addition, you can receive us on 792 kHz on the medium-wave band from 10.15 p.m. to midnight. Until then, good night, everybody. All the medium-wave units were ultimately deactivated in favour of FM some 20 years ago. International radio monitors were able to listen to Radio Singapura in many parts of the world, at least at some time during their broadcast day. Programming from the local FM networks was carried in five languages on fixed frequencies in the 49 and 41 metre bands from 2300 to 1600 UTC, except for the period from 0900 to 1400 UTC when the external service, Radio Singapore International, used the same transmitters on the same channels during the local evenings. This is Radio Singapore International on 9530 kHz in the 31 metre band. We've come to the end of this evening's transmission. We'll be on the air again between 7 and 8 tomorrow morning, and we hope you can join us. Until then, I'm William Tio, wishing you a pleasant night. Goodbye.
Sadly, all shortwave broadcasting from Radio Singapore ended in 2008. Reception reports were always verified with very colourful picture cards showing local scenes throughout the island of Singapore. Our editor-in-chief, Dr Adrian Peterson, recalls that in 1971 he was on a motor launch in Bangladesh. There'd been a horrendous, devastating cyclone in the Bay of Bengal. It's calculated that one million people lost their lives in this overnight cyclone, thus making it the worst natural disaster on Earth since Noah's flood. At the time, he was on temporary loan to ADRA, the Adventist Development and Relief Agency, and he was in the delta areas of Bangladesh carrying relief supplies of food and basic living needs to the homeless survivors. One afternoon, while the motor launch was travelling from one location to another, he was tuning across the shortwave bands on his Grundig radio, when he was very surprised to hear the BBC World Service news in the 60-metre tropical shortwave band. On checking the World Radio TV handbook, he discovered that he was listening to BFBS Singapore, the British Forces Broadcasting Service, with 10 kilowatts on 5010 kHz. On a subsequent visit to Singapore a few years later, he remembers taking a taxi one humid rainy day to the British Army base on the outskirts of Singapore City. Even though this was a high security area, he was courteously granted approval to make a visit to BFBS Radio. As he approached the building, he was dismayed to discover that workmen were in the process of dismantling the station. They were removing all of the electronic equipment and refurbishing the building for use as an office. As he walked through the empty rooms, he visualised what used to be. He saw the old studios and control room, the offices and tape library of what used to be BFBS Singapore. Obviously, when this station was on the air, it was an efficient and modern radio station. BFBS Singapore was launched in early 1953 with a 10kW Marconi transmitter from England operating at 7.5kW. This unit was installed at the main transmitter base at Jurong and the programming was usually in Nepali or Gurkha and English, though occasionally other languages were heard at times. A 5kW FM transmitter was added to the station on November 2, 1966, and this transmitter was co-sited with the splendid studio building in the British Army base at Tanglin on the edge of Singapore City. When British Army troops moved away five years later, BFBS Singapore was closed in November 1971. The shortwave transmitter was gifted to Radio Singapore, who then programmed it on the same regular channel in the 60-metre band, 5010 kHz, in parallel with their own unit on 5052 kHz. However, the FM unit was reactivated as BFBS by popular demand in time for Christmas. Nevertheless, the station finally went silent four years later again in 1975, and the FM transmitter was then taken over for the relay of BBC programming remotely operated from Tibrao. The studio building was then refurbished, and it's in use today as the office for commissioned officers in the Singapore Army. BFBS Singapore had a reputation as an excellent verifier, and the AWR Historic Collection in Indianapolis contains two QSL cards confirming the reception of both the shortwave and FM transmitters. As Adrian walked down the stairway and out of the two-storey building, he cast a backward glance at the signboard which read, British Forces Broadcasting Service, Singapore. 
Both the shortwave and FM transmitters have long since been removed and junked from that location. All that remains these days are the DX reports in old radio magazines, a cluster of QSL cards in old QSL collections, and the memories in the lives of the staff who were on the air with what was BFBS Singapore. Well, in part three of this series, in two weeks' time, we'll cover the other shortwave broadcaster that operated from Singapore, the BBC Far East Relay Station. Back to you, Jeff. Thank you very much, Ray, for part two of Broadcasting in Singapore. That was Ray Robinson at The Voice of Hope in Los Angeles. We're sorry to report the death on October 9th of Dan Ellier, who is the manager of WYFR the predecessor of WRMI in Okeechobee, Florida, where I'm recording this program right now. Dan was born in Chicago, Illinois in 1941. He was 82 years of age and had been a resident of Okeechobee for 48 years. He was a member of the First Baptist Church of Okeechobee. Dan's parents were missionaries to Nigeria with Sudan Interior Mission. He lived in Nigeria from 1945 to 1955. He survived by his wife Peggy, five children, nine grandchildren, and two great-grandchildren. Completing his technical studies with a major in radio broadcasting at Moody Bible Institute in 1966, Dan worked his adult life in the technical and management aspects of Christian radio broadcasting, mostly shortwave. The stations where he served were WMIT-FM in western North Carolina, radio station ELWA in Monrovia, Liberia, WYFR Shortwave in Situate, Massachusetts, and WYFR Shortwave in Okeechobee, Florida. While he was the station manager of WYFR, he served as secretary-treasurer of the National Association of Shortwave Broadcasters, NASB. After WYFR became WRMI under new ownership, Dan helped out informally as a frequency consultant. Raising a family, serving in Christian radio, finding some treasured musical outlets in playing classical guitar and harmonica, writing fiction and nonfiction, a lifetime of study, Dan Elier looked back thankfully on a life well lived. Ken Reitz, editor of the Spectrum Monitor online magazine, reports that Larry Van Horn, a columnist and feature editor for the publication, passed away in August. Larry began his radio writing career at Monitoring Times magazine, which was started by Bob Grove in 1982 as an advertising flyer for Grove Enterprises, a mail-order electronics catalog specializing in radio antennas and accessories. Larry's first column in Monitoring Times appeared in the January 1984 issue. He wrote columns about cable and satellite TV topics, utility and military monitoring. His Monitoring Times column was the start of a very successful career that four years later led to the publication of his 300-page book, Communication Satellites, A Monitor's Guide, published by Grove Enterprises in 1986. Larry was a native of San Antonio, Texas. He joined the U.S. Navy in 1971 and served on naval warships and in the naval aviation community until his retirement in 1993. He was first licensed as an amateur radio operator in 1973 with the call sign WH6INU. He went on to become an extra-class licensee and was active on all bands and in all modes. With the devise of Grove Enterprises and the closing of Monitoring Times in December 2013, 
Larry and his wife, Gail Van Horn, who had been the frequency manager for Monitoring Time's shortwave frequency guide, and who wrote the QSL report for Monitoring Times for decades, launched a company called Teak Publishing, which still operates. Teak has published Larry's military communications columns from both Monitoring Times and the Spectrum Monitor, and Gail's semi-annual Global Radio Guide, which we've mentioned frequently here on WaveScan. Larry and Gail attended many Monitoring Times conventions in the early 1990s in Knoxville, Tennessee, and Atlanta, Georgia. Bob Grove, who organized those conventions, says Larry Van Horn was admired for his knowledge of shortwave listening and scanner monitoring. Bob said, He and his wife Gail knew that my wife Judy and I were building a new home in an adjacent 50-acre forest in North Carolina, so they bought our former home, making the Groves and the Van Horns next-door neighbors. We often exchanged local frequency information as we scanned the VHF-UHF public safety channels. He will be missed by his family and by all radio monitoring hobbyists. Adventist World Radio is making a special QSL offer. As a gesture of courtesy to the international radio world, Adventist World Radio is making a limited-time special opportunity for shortwave monitors around the world to obtain postcard-style QSL cards through the postal system. Genuine reception reports on any AWR radio transmissions on shortwave, mediumwave or FM will be most welcome. These broadcasts may be according to current AWR scheduling or from earlier times. Reception reports will only be accepted through the postal mail to the AWR office in Indiana, and I'll give the address in a minute, and where possible, return postage in an international currency should be included. International reply coupons are not valid in the United States, so please don't send them. Sending reception reports electronically is discouraged. Each reception report will be verified with cards in the leftover stock of AWR QSL cards in a total of more than 200 different designs, and they'll be forwarded to the listener through the postal system. The deadline for these reports is December the 31st, 2023, and they should be sent to Adventist World Radio, International Relations, Dr. Adrian M. Peterson, 2768 Morgan Trail, Martinsville, Indiana, 46151 in the United States. So again, that's Adventist World Radio, International Relations, Dr. Adrian M. Peterson, 2768 Morgan Trail, M-O-R-G-A-N Trail, Martinsville, Indiana, 46151 in the USA. Today, October 29th, is the beginning of the B-23 shortwave broadcast season, which will last until the final Sunday in March 2024. The High Frequency Coordination Conference, or HFCC, B-23 conference, is where most shortwave stations coordinated frequencies for the B-23 season. It took place last month in Surfer's Paradise, Australia. Let's continue now with the second part of Dale Stagg's welcoming comments. Dale is the CEO of Reach Beyond Australia, which hosted the B23 conference. There's people I wish to acknowledge, or I'd like to acknowledge. Uh, Jeff White, chair of the HFCC. Vladislav Sif, to my left, director of the secretariat, or as I was told yesterday, the guy who runs the place. Uh, Jerome, vice chair of HFCC. Uh, Sergio. 
Uh, also with the HFCC, Essa, who I met this morning. Welcome, Vice Chair of the HFCC, uh, Mr. Hakim Adali, representing the ITO uh, as well. Welcome, Hakim. And uh, Kelvin Carter. Kelvin, good to see you again after, after some years. Uh, thank you for hosting the, the group dinner later in the week. We appreciate it. And welcome to those that are connecting with us from afar, including Dr. Vaisal Binbay, Director of the ABU Technology, and Mr. Sri Badra, Manager, Production and Delivery Technology of the ABU also, and anyone else that is joining us uh, via Zoom. And uh, finally, thank you to the hotel staff in advance for looking up after us, and to the team that have pulled this together. Uh, my team from Reach Beyond has been included in that, so Ken Lingwood uh, down here at the front with, with us. Appreciate all the work you've done, Ken. Uh, Adrian and Donna Olney. Adrian's up the back with the, holding the phone, and Donna you may have met coming in. Uh, Greg and Vicky Teague uh, that have come all the way over from South Australia to, to support uh, the event, and it was great to see Jeff's wife, Taze, uh, as I walked around that corner and to see her smiling face. Uh, two more things that, that I'll share uh, before I hand over to Jeff. I have a short, hopefully a short, photo montage that uh, Vlad is going to kick into gear. Just uh, showing you some photos from our broadcast site after a recent maintenance push on our antennas. That was Dale Stagg, CEO of Reach Beyond Australia, opening the B23 HFCC Shortwave Frequency Coordination Conference in Surfers Paradise, Australia. We'll continue with Dale's remarks next week. Namaskar and welcome to the October edition of Indian DX Report. I am Prithviraj Purkayastha, VU3TQD, reporting for WebScan from Jorhat in the northeastern state of Assam in India. This is the time of festivity in India and people especially in the eastern and northeastern states of the country celebrating Durga Puja which begins on a sacred day called Mahalaya. Since early 1930s, on this auspicious dawn of Mahalaya, Akashwani has been transmitting a special two-hour radio musical drama called Mahisasura Mardini, consisting of recitation of Chandi accompanied by music and songs. This year, Mahalaya was observed on 14th October and between 0350 to 0545 IST on that particular day, I monitored the radio waves and found the following medium wave Akashwani stations transmitting the Mahisasura Mardini in Bengali or in Hindi. 531 kHz Jodhpur, 549 kHz Rachi, 594 kHz Akashwani Maitri, 621 kHz Akashwani Patna, 657 kHz Kolkata A. 675 kHz Chhatarpur, 711 kHz Siliguri, 729 kHz Akashwani Guwahati, 756 kHz Akashwani Jagalpur, 828 kHz Akashwani Silchar, 846 kHz Ahmedabad A, 810 kHz Rajkot A, 909 kHz Gorakhpur, 954 kHz Akashwani Najibabad, 981 kHz Akashwani Raipur, 1008 kHz Akashwani Kolkata, 
that is Akashwani Kolkata B. 1242 kHz Varanasi A, 1260 kHz Ambikapur, 1269 kHz Akashwani Agartala, 1296 kHz Akashwani Darbhanga, 1386 kHz Gwalior and 1404 kHz Akashwani Gangtok. The KBS World Radio has announced a change in their frequency for English language transmission. According to this, with the beginning of B23 session at 01 UTC, October 29, 2023, the KBS World Radio English Service will broadcast at 14 to 16 hour UTC on 9630 kHz instead of current 9785 kHz. Radio Romania International has updated their email address and requested its listeners to use their standard email address that is engl at the rate rri.ro or the alternative email address that is the English service rri at the rate gmail.com for sending reception reports or any other communication. In another development, Radio Romania International in its updated B23 schedule has dropped its popular analog transmission beam to India between 04 to 05 hour UTC. Now the transmission will be available only on DRM mode at 15260 kHz. And with this, I would like to conclude this edition of Indian DX report on the web scan. I hope the information will be beneficial to you. If you have any comment or suggestion on this DX capsule, or want to send me a reception report then please write to me at indiandxreport at gmail.com that is indiandxreport at gmail.com so until next time stay safe with your loved ones bye bye m73s from assam and thanks for listening to wavescan the international dx program from adventist world radio researched and written in indianapolis by adrian peterson and in los angeles by ray robinson Next week, our main feature will be the History of Radio Jingles, Part 2, and more from Dale Stagg of Reach Beyond Australia at HFCC B23. WaveScan is heard weekly on KSDA in Guam, AWR relays in various locations, WRMI in Florida, WWCR in Tennessee, Voice of Hope Africa in Zambia, and IRRS Italy. Send reception reports directly to the station you're listening to. Reports for KSDA and AWR sites should go to qsl at awr.org. Other correspondence, not reception reports, can be sent to wavescan at awr.org. We're going to end today's wavescan with a song played by WYFR station manager Dan Elier. As we mentioned, Dan was an accomplished harmonica player. Here's Dan on the harmonica and his grandson Josh on the guitar playing Amazing Grace. I'm Jeff White at WRMI Shortwave in Okeechobee, Florida. Till next week, good listening, everyone.
This is the Adventist World Radio, and you are listening to the Voice of Hope. For more information, please feel free to write to us. Our email address is Bible at awr dot org, or you could also call us on WhatsApp at plus one two two four two 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 zero seven seven seven. 